The following audio is from Cross Life Church in Tampa, Florida. We are a church that exists to help people find Christ, their place in the body, and their mission to the world. Our calling is to raise leaders and plant churches. So if you live in the Hudson area or near Wester Chapel, you can also check us out at one of our other locations. For more information, visit us at crosslife.net. All right, we're in John chapter 3. And uh, last week we looked at John chapter 3, and we kind of started in verse 16 and went through verse 18. This morning I want to look at verses 19 through 21, but let me just read through this text beginning with last week's, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge or condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Verse 19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. This term, I don't know how it words it in your Bible in verse 19, mine, one of the translations was, this is the verdict, or this is the judgment, or this is the condemnation. This word in the Greek is krisos, which means justice which is that which is true, that which is right, that which is fair. And so we know this word verdict, and, you know, we watch it on TV. We've, if you've ever been in a courtroom, a verdict is a decision that's on a disputed issue in maybe a civil or criminal case, and a jury's findings or their conclusions on the information, the factual issues that were presented by a case. And so they hear all the evidences and they draw this conclusion and they render a verdict. This is the verdict. And here it's interesting because it's a very different deal. The jury here, uh, those who render the verdict in this scenario, in this situation, who know all the facts, it's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So this verdict is just, it is true, it is right. Now, one of the things that I began to see in this phrase, this is a verdict or this is a judgment, this is a condemnation, is it's, it seemed to be this transitional uh, phrase from what was before and what is after. Let me just kind of walk through that a little bit, see if maybe you, um, you can kind of see this with me. So here's the verdict. Well, before in verse 18 it is that whoever is, believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And then in verses 19 through 21 it's saying that Here's the verdict that light has come into the world. And because of that, because of the light which exposes the darkness, now things are truly seen as they are. And what is evidenced is that 
people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Here is the situation that humanity is finding themselves in. Now remember who said this. This was Jesus. This was the Son of God. And he starts out in John 3.16 by explaining the purpose that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believed in him will not perish. And then he says, because here's the deal, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. But here's what we need to understand. Here's the situation. Those who have believed they have, they stand there not condemned. Those who do not believe, they stand condemned already because they have not believed. And then he goes on to push a little farther. He says another thing about this verdict, about this justice is that people have loved darkness instead of light. So, as I was looking at this, I can, there's, the, there's, these, there's these two situations. There's, again, that we see so often in Scripture, there's this contrast between what is good and what is evil, what is light and what is dark. Here he says that people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil, And it says, and whoever does these wicked things, he presses a little further in verse 20, he says, they actually, they hate the light. And so the justice is that the sentence falls on a person due to their choice. How often is it that, uh, you know, we say, well, it's not fair. We see it in family situations. We see it in our own life. We take certain course of action and do particular things, and we don't like the consequences, and we say that it's not fair. Yet, when you're speeding down the road uh, in the speed limit's 30, and you're going 50, you run two red lights, and you get pulled over, and you get a ticket, that's not fair. Well, back up. What's the law? What's established? Well, you can't go 50 and a 30. Well, you should not go. You can go 50 and a 30. You can don't do it today. Don't do it ever because then you'll blame me that you said I could go 50 and a 30 and you got a ticket and you want me to pay your $118 ticket. That's not going to happen. See, there's a lot of stuff you can do, but there are the consequences of our actions. And here, you know, so often it is really so many things boiled down to choice. And we're going we're gonna to look at this just maybe a little bit further. See, the coming of the light, the coming of Jesus revealed this. And it, it, it gives evidence to the fact that people loved the darkness. And it says, people love darkness. I don't know what your translation says. It says, people love darkness instead of the light. Or people love darkness, or people preferred the darkness. And the reason they preferred the darkness is because their deeds were evil. And, and, and this evil is interesting word because it has a, a, a number of qualifiers of words to try to explain uh, this. So evil is translated, the word worthless, corrupt, Depraved, we get all that. But listen to this, unimportant, of no value or of no account. 
See, some of the things that we do, we're trying to gain something. What did Jesus say? You need to, you need to lose your life to find it. See, some things have no value for us in life. The things that we do, do they really add to our life? You know, the pleasure of sin is what? For how long is it? A season. What? For some of us, a season is just a couple minutes. <laughs> but there's not, it's, it doesn't have value. Another definition is vile, wicked, foul. Now think about this. He says that the deeds of darkness, all of the deeds of darkness are worthless, corrupt, depraved, unimportant, of no account, vile, wicked, foul. And they affect those who obstinately do not believe. See, there's this correlation between our unbelief and what comes into our life. See, if you will, if you walk in darkness, there's just a lot of things that you're not going to see. If you're walking in darkness, just for a moment, pause and think, because we've all done this. I don't care who's in, I don't care who of you in here. At some point in our time, uh, even after becoming a believer, we started walking down a road that Despite what you think or not, you knew you shouldn't walk down it. I'm not saying it's just a wicked, depraved road, right? But I'm just saying you, you stepped off the way of righteousness, began to go a particular way, and you will just know that as you have, as you went that way, you allowed more things that you would not allow into your life as you went that way. Because why? Because the light wasn't shining on there. Because there's just stuff that you didn't see. And so, thankfully, you know, uh, I can remember when I was in Bible college, I, I felt like it was a second year of college. I felt like I was farthest away from God than I'd ever been in my life in Bible college, right? And I remember puzzled about that, and I went to the Father about it, and he said, Tracy, you know what? Uh, don't, don't, you, this is a teaching moment. Because, see, even in this, I'm with you. In this, you are seeing things... Now, I'm not telling you to go down this wrong road, but I'm just saying that when it happened to me, and just in that period of time, what it helped me see was the foolishness. What it helped me see was the, the lack of peace that I had in my life. How everything else in my life seemingly was unraveling over here, although I didn't see it. It's like when I was here uh, uh, and we were in the other building, I had the plant and I cut a piece of the plant off. I stuck it in the plant. I left it there for two weeks. It took two weeks to see that it started to shrivel. And it wasn't long before you definitely saw that that stem in there was dead. And so we have this knowing that as we abide in Him, His life throws, flows through us and He gives us life. We begin to walk away. We cut ourselves off from that life and death begins to occur. Our life doesn't seem to find what we have need of because we are walking in a way that we shouldn't. And so when we are choosing not to believe, there's an effect in our life. When we begin to risk, there are these 
bad effects that come into our life. So there is this, so the verdict here for those who have not believed, it's twofold. So they stand condemned already, and it reveals something about them, that they love the darkness instead of the light. So here's the verdict, here's the situation. In God's court, he's just saying, look, you're condemned already because you haven't believed, and it's evident that you do not love the light. You prefer the darkness. Any thoughts about that? Keith? So anyhow, last week we sometimes were speaking about how you get butterflies and get concerned about speaking about the Lord to others. Now, I'm not saying it applies to everybody blanketly, but part of that, I think, is also where you're at in your life. I mean, I think the Christians that walk 100% with the Lord can still get butterflies, so I'm not saying that you can't. But back to your point, it was like God was saying to me, how can you expect to have the Spirit of God work through you and how your life is going to shine for the Lord if you're not truly devoted to sacrificing the flesh, right, cutting off the flesh, and walking in the Spirit. And it got me thinking kind of what you were saying. It's like, sometimes as Christians, at least in my life, there's days when I don't always walk the way I should walk, but yet then I kind of wonder, well, why ain't I doing the things that I should be doing for the Lord? Well, you're not going to be able to do the things supernaturally for the Lord without the Spirit of God going through you, and you can't do that if you're trying to do it in the flesh or you're living out the flesh and whatever that might be. So it kind of really rings a bell for me, and it's what you always say. It's not the horizontal relationships that's messed up. It's the vertical, because if the vertical's not right, the horizontal's not going to be correct. So. Hmm. That's good. Anyone else? Paul. Uh, Paul? Sid? You want to run that up to Sid? <laughs> Thank you. You don't want to give her a hug? and Here, Sid. Here. I'll give you a hug. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Father's Day. Um, it, it, it reminds me back when we had that discussion with Keith when he asked the question, may or may not, that it's uh, conditional at the state of situation when we said that we, whoever believes might save. And this time, so there's a conditional status when he said that on, the 18, on 16 and 18. And, but on this uh, verse, there is what you call finality and determination. That when who uh, that's the outcome of the verdict. So it's not given. The first one gave us a choice, like what you mentioned. The second one, it's God who says it because that's determined already. He knows that that's the verdict, and He knows that's what's gonna what what will happen. So He gave us that choice, but He never had second thought of what would be the verdict is. He knows. Yeah. And the beautiful thing is, is this comes after John 3.16. You know, everybody just thinks God's up there with a big old club, and they don't see the grace and the extension of God's hand to humanity and the large-heartedness of God and his long-suffering toward humanity. So, you know, when you really you think through this text that we know <laughs> so well, and humanity just sees the negative side of it, they don't... They're not picking up on the positive side of what has taken place. Scott, did you have something? Yeah, um, you said something last week about we create our own shadows. Can't remember what you were referring to, but um, I think it comes to a realization that we make a choice. 
Um, and I can remember my dad telling me when he was alive, when he was in the Air Force, things were created by man so that they could manipulate them. And he was talking about flying an airplane. And he can control this, he can control that. But he came to a realization about, and he, and he said something about, I can create my own shadow. But I came to the, he came to the realization when he came down from his, his airplane and he was on the ground and he saw his shadow on the ground. And um, he said, wow, that's, that's interesting. And the only reason that he saw his shadow is because he looked up and he saw the light of God. Hmm. Someone else? Here's something interesting is that the reason for the verdict, uh, for the judgment, is, is, is the, wait, the reason for them not choosing the light is not that they were ignorant of the light. That's not what this says. So it's not that they were ignorant of the light. The reason for the verdict or for the judgment is they did not choose to believe. They did not choose the light. And the reason that they did not is because they loved the darkness rather than the light or instead of the light. And I think I shared this before. When you look at it, it really is saying they love the light less. So here's the choice. Sometimes, you know, it's like this, you know. You, you have, here's the decision-making process again in our life. Will I deny myself, pick up my cross, and follow him, or will I live for the pleasure of a season? So I, I have this choice. People have choices, and a lot of times they're not going to choose the narrow way. They're not going to choose the denying of themselves. Sometimes, even us, we choose what is pleasurable instead of what is difficult. So, you know, when you, um, I made mention that there was this gal that didn't see the situation that she was really in before she came to Christ, and I wonder for us, uh, no, so for me, I mean, I'm, I was just oblivious, really in darkness, I understood nothing, but some of you were probably raised in church. Some of, a, some of you probably had a Christian upbringing and never really committed yourself to Christ. I mean, how did you see yourself? Would have you seen yourself as God's enemy? Would, have you seen, would you have seen yourself as standing condemned? Would you have said that you loved the darkness instead of the light? Would you have said you hated the, hated the light before you came to the light? Any thoughts? Anybody got any thoughts about that in your own life, Joan? Yeah, I think I was raised in a Christian home. And I think for a long time, we live on our parents' beliefs. But I think in the world today, we're living in the dusk. We don't see the light. We don't see the darkness. We don't want to see either one. And we move from one to another. Um, but we don't want to make a commitment. So there comes a time, there came a time in my life being raised in the light when I had to say, 
I'm a sinner, and what my parents believe won't help me unless I accept it. But as we're walking life, I just think so often we're in the dusk. That's the hardest time to drive. That's the hardest time in the evening where you can't really see, but you think you can see good enough to do whatever you want. Mm. And God never talks about the dusk. He talks about light or darkness. But that in-between area is where I think we fall so often. Somebody else? Had to write that down. That's good. Robert? So I didn't, um, for your question, I didn't grow up in the church, so to speak, or in a Christian home or anything. So for me, though, I wouldn't have said that I love the darkness or anything like that. I just didn't know what was actually dark and what was actually light. And, and so the thought process, though, of, you know, I thought I was, quote, unquote, in light because of, you know, well, whatever I did believe. But it wasn't because it was, just, it was just no different than just still being in the dark. But it's just my make-believe light, right, whatever it was. And so it wasn't until somebody actually unveiled what true light is, the light that is the life, or that, that is Jesus, that is the life of man. And, you know, that, that darkness actually looked dark. It wasn't until the light was true that anything that was dark was actually dark. Otherwise, and, and, I, and I guess that's why this is a testimony, because you need to know that. Otherwise, you don't think you're in the dark. I'm sure there are plenty of people that may, but for me and for, I think, tons, you know, tons of people, they don't think they're in the dark. They don't know that it is really dark, if that makes sense. Yeah. And you witness to others because... Yeah, because you bring the light that is Christ, the life that is the gospel, the good news to others in order to show them that there is light, there is darkness. Where they're at is not light. Where they're at is darkness. They are deceived. There is deception. That is a true thing. What you are believing is darkness currently. And there is a truth that came to us. There is a person that came to us that is Christ. So, I mean, because this, this, this portion is, is echoing back to John 1, where, where he talks about, you know, John 1, and, 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 you know, the light that came, the light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Go down a few more verses. Uh, the true light, the true light, okay? Because you thought you were in light. You weren't. The true light that gives light for, to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And so this is, again, part of that, you know, like he was in the world and, and the world was created through him and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Why? Because as, you know, coming back to John 3, because they loved the darkness. They didn't know it was darkness, but they loved where they were at. They loved what they had. They, they, they didn't know the true light. They didn't even, and so yes, you witness to people because you were spurned and 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 uh, by where you were and where you are, and knowing the truth of the fact that there is true light, there is true hope, there is truth that others need to know, and you and and you know and and you know from your experience, 
you didn't realize you were in darkness, but you loved where you were in a sense because you were satisfied staying there. You preferred it over what you didn't know. <laughs> How will you know if you don't go? <laughs> you know, mm. it's beautiful are the feet that bring the good news, right? It, it's, it's, I don't know, trailing on, but let's. Tony? Yeah. Yeah, uh, Robert said something there that is true. I believe people know. And God tells us that. This is not a, a secret. When we go to Romans 1, and I'm just going to read the verse, and that's it. This, this verse is, and you can think whatever you want to think of them. But this is what it says. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness and wickedness of people. Who suppress the truth by their wickedness? Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Mm, that's good. Stand before God. Here is the situation. And so grateful to be rescued and the reason that we share isn't to pound somebody to make them feel bad it's to help them see so that they can be rescued as we are rescued you know the idea of standing before god there will be a single verdict and there's no appeal and that's why the good news of jesus christ a friend of mine sent me an article yesterday and the headline was belief in god hits a new low he texted to me, and took just text back 2 Timothy 3, 4, I'm not surprised because what's it say in the latter days that men will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 13, I like this. It says, whoever despises the word and counsel of God brings destruction upon himself. But he who reverently fears and respects the commandment of God will be rewarded. That's kind of this whole thing here. I, I was, came across this the other day. I was somewhere, and, and I saw this plant that was under some trees, and it had this, it was like, it was like grew out crooked. And I got to thinking, you know, this, we need this lesson from God's created world. When light comes from an angle, plants will curve toward it to get better access to the light, which they need to grow. And the, here's the interesting thing. So I looked this up, and there are actually these hormones in plant tissues, and they're called axioms. And they make a plant grow taller to bend toward the light. But here's the thing about these axioms. Axioms move to the darker side of a plant. So there's hormones in a plant, and these axioms will move to the darker side of a plant causing the cells there to grow larger than the corresponding cells on the lighter side of the plant. And this produces the plant to curve the plant stem toward the light. God's created world knows that it needs light, the plants. And, and to think about this, that the, these, these hormones move to the dark side to cause a dark side to grow toward the light which they need for that growth and life. And I just thought that was... Some of you that are in here and you've 
done homeschooling and you walk through a lot of that stuff. There's so many things that you see and observe in your teaching that you just go, oh my goodness, uh, God's created world makes sense and we should be able to learn from it. So verse 19 says that people love darkness instead of light. And then verse 20 pushes a little farther. It says, actually, everyone who does evil, really, they hate the light. And they will not come to the light. And, and this, is, this is natural in the respect of this. Because they're fearful. If they get in the light, their deeds will be exposed. So... Uh, the other day we uh, we had we were moving right, and so uh, and we were quick grabbing a bite to eat, and I didn't realize that I had mustard on my shirt. Okay, so if you know anything about me, um, I don't want to look like a how do I want to say this? I always tell Denise I'm not going out looking like a retard, you know, and I use that term like I want to look put together if I'm going to go out with, and I got this big mustard thing. We're jump a uh, slob. There you go. So I jump into I we jump out of the car. Somehow, when I'm shutting my car door, the mirror, and I went, "Oh, you got to be kidding me!" I Denise goes. I said, "We'll just go. I'm. We'll just go back home." Oh, come on. She's come on, right? I walk through Lowe's like this with my hand over the mustard stain, <laughs> walking around because I didn't want anyone to see this stain. And how is it in our life? That's the way it is. We, we, we don't, I mean, who wants to have people know their stuff, the, the bad stuff? So we, what we do is we try to hide those things. Because light exposes those types of things. And so people, we understand that, you know, when you're talking to people about Jesus, there's something that's supernatural that's taking place that's going on right there, where whether you see it or not, there is a light that is shining in their life. Now, you're not trying to shine a light on their darkness. You're just trying to give them good. You're just trying to shine a light, so to speak. You're trying to give them good news, but they don't see it as good news. Because now you're, now you're messing with them. You know, they don't want any of that. I can't tell you how many guys that have come into offices over the years and in personal time with me about their life, and I just start talking about truth. All of a sudden, they just start to kind of clam up because I am not agreeing with them about their life and how they're living it. I don't care if the wife, the wicked witch of the West, this is how you're supposed to respond. This is how you're supposed to be. So none of us like our deeds to be exposed. And here's the thing is, you know, where it talks about evil deeds, often we just categorize this word in the worst of the worst. When really this concept, this idea is that meaning of evil is not the good. So just look at your life. And the idea of evil is not the good. So when I'm not making choices, when I'm not doing the good, when I'm not following after the good. So it says that they love their darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. They hate it and they will not come to it. 
And, and really, you can see in people's lives, how many people have you talked to, they said, well, I'm a believer, and you look at their life, and their, their practice really disproves their profession. And so we know that for us, it's about these choices that we make. When I was studying a few weeks back on this, it was talking about actually people argue against the truth. They just, they, they speak against it and they argue against the truth. And we just see it more and more. People argue against the truth. People don't want to come to Jesus. And the reason they don't want to come to Jesus is because they, here's the funny thing, they know that their life is not where it's supposed to be and they know that it needs to change and that's not really what they want to do. But the beautiful thing about that is when you talk to them about the gospel, the Spirit of God just keeps digging at them, not to make their life miserable for the sake of being miserable, but to bring them to a place of choice. And then I don't know how many, I, I haven't everybody, I haven't ever had anybody come to me and, and just read me the riot act for them coming to Jesus. You know, pe- people are grateful that they've, come to the knowledge of the truth. So the good news is, is that Jesus has come to rescue, to rescue from darkness. And, you know, this is the age-old dilemma of man. You know, the situation in which they find themselves in is because the choices that they have made. And many choose not Christ. Many choose not the good. But the beauty is that their choice is not permanent. Not till they breathe their last breath. That is beautiful. And this whole idea of exposed, I like this because the light exposes it. It brings to light what is hidden and, and it reveals those things. And, and we got to know that the implication with it is that there is adequate proof of wrongdoing. When the light comes into our life and exposes us, it's there's this adequate proof of the truth about where our life is and so it comes to expose it comes to convict it comes to reprove and with that naturally there's going to be conviction naturally there's going to be shame naturally it's going to show us the error of our ways but look if we're doing something the wrong way if we're going in the wrong way do you really as a logical individual do you really want to just keep driving down the road knowing there's a cliff at the end don't you want somebody to give you some road signs so the reality the logical part of it is that we really need to know that we're going the wrong way it's not the best way to go this is really what we need to do. Here's what God has said. If we will live this particular way and follow after these things, he'll help us to find what we need to find to find true richness and blessing in our life. Any thoughts about that, Keith? Well, I don't know where the mic is. You know, it's kind of like what Robert was saying about people don't realize it. But, you know, if you think about it, Ephesians 6, right, it's a spiritual battle, so... The saddest thing ever is for people to be lost and not know it. So it's quite evident that Satan's going to do everything he can do to keep lost people thinking that maybe they're not lost. And that's why, like you always say, it's, it's the good news, right? It's the good news of the gospel that, yes, you are sinful. We are all sinful. You cannot clean yourself up, and you don't have to, right? The Lord does that for you because he died for your sins, that you might become children of God by having faith in him. And so as Christians... You know, the whole thing boils back together. 
the more we walk in the light, the more opportunity we have to tell others and for people to see in us that we're different and that they can come and become children of God just like we have by the faith by faith in Christ, you know, the, the mercy and grace that God has given each and every one of us that he extends to all people, you know. So no matter how you believe, I mean, it says in the word that God would choose that none should perish, but unfortunately, some will perish. And, you know, back to what Robert said again is that it's all deception. It's all a spiritual warfare. It's all Satan trying to do everything he can do to deceive people to say, you're fine. You don't need anything. Look, you, you don't kill people. You don't rob people. You're a good person. You'll be just fine. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest lie. And that's why people have to know, and they won't know unless we tell them. So that's kind of where it boils down to. I was going to say this earlier, but it kind of falls into what Keith was saying. Kind of like Joan, I was brought up in a very strict Christian home. I wasn't allowed to spend the night out on a Saturday night unless I was at home 8 o'clock Sunday morning. But it was in the Lutheran church. And so I did the thing where we memorized the Apostles' Creed, memorized the Nicene Creed. We stood up when we were in eighth grade and we were confirmed. And so that's all we really were taught. So we very much knew light and dark, and we knew what was right and wrong. But praise God, in Miami, they had a high school program called Youth for Christ. And that's when I learned that, okay, just being baptized as a baby, standing up and saying these things that I memorized that I honestly really didn't fully understand the meaning of, wasn't the path. So praise God, they had programs like that to reach to me as someone brought up in the church that I needed to do more to really have that relationship with, you know, accepting Jesus into my heart. That's good. Anyone else? Candy? I think I used it one other time, but I'll never forget um, how your kids can teach you things. And one was Allison driving, which was really quite a pain because she didn't want to drive. But um, we were going down the street one day and I remember looking over and seeing a cop and saying, there's a cop over there. Because of course, for me, I know I need to slow down as soon as I see that officer because I'm going the wrong speed. But um, she looked over at me and she says, it doesn't really matter if you're going the speed limit. If you're doing the right thing, you don't have to worry. And I remember thinking, wow, it's so true. You know, there's such freedom in doing what you're supposed to as a believer, as a person, you know, as a citizen, whatever. And the other thing, uh, back to Robert, who must have really given us quite a bit of words of wisdom since we've referred back. <laughs> but you know, growing up, I remember I couldn't see, but I didn't know any. I mean, I couldn't see well, but I didn't know any better because that's the way it always was until in about seventh grade, one of my friends gave me her glasses. And I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, I can see the words. And I think sometimes that's what it's like when you grow up, um, maybe even in a Christian home because, you know, I always felt really good if I went to church. If I missed a week, I knew I wasn't doing good. But if I went every week, I was okay. It was cool. But um, when I accepted Christ, it was just like a whole blazing light went off. And I just remember being blown away and remember thinking, why don't people see this? Hmm. But I think it's like you say, you know, you grow up, that's the way it is until the light is shown on you. So, You know, the beautiful thing about The beautiful thing about God is that he's pursuing man. 
He's not left himself without witness. All the things that God has done. I mean, each and every one of us in here, uh, whether you're raised in a Christian home or not, you had to get to this place of realizing the gospel and coming to that decision. And God used various things. And for some of us, it was just his voice in our life. It was his nudge of the spirit to get us to places to go, maybe my life isn't quite right. And that's why I love that, uh, you know, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, there's bad news attached to it, but the good news is, is what God has done and is doing for the sake of humanity and the long suffering that he has to us, toward us. You know, I just think so many times, you know, about lying and about why do kids lie? You know, they just, they don't want to get caught. The funny thing is, as parents, you know, we've kind of been there and we kind of know. Uh, you want to play that um, video, Larry? This is us so often. Yeah. <laughs> as parents, how many times are kids, and you went, I mean, evidence is all over them. Here's the thing about, I, I love the boy. He goes, did you eat it on it? Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> I mean, these teaching moments that you try to have with your kids in the, in, in, in the same way, the teaching moments that God tries to have with us. I remember that I had been saved about maybe six months. And uh, this, uh, one of the teachers that were there, I can't remember what I was talking about, and he, he made the comment, he says, he says, here's the thing you have to understand. God knows the thoughts and intents of your heart. When he said that, it was like, <gasps> it was just this, it took me back. It's like, no. You know, because I knew the thoughts and intents of my heart. He said, God sees everything that you do, understands your heart, knows what you're thinking. And I, I tell you, I was wrecked for a while until the Lord began to speak to me about this idea that growing and learning and becoming, walking out of a new life into a new life, the, the, the flesh, the war between the flesh and the spirit. And so now my perspective began to change. Now I'm not afraid of the light. I'm not, I'm not pushing back against correction. I'm, I'm now, my prayer life is being changed because now I'm going, Father, this is really the way that I think and feel. I remember the first time I said it was really hard to do, to admit because, man, when I was a kid, man, I lied through my teeth. I was always getting away with stuff. I was never honest. Because my sisters and brothers, if they ever were, they got in trouble for it. And I thought, okay, well, that's a bad thing. You get in trouble for being honest. But what happened with me and what God helped me with is the idea that Tracy already know all about that. If you just begin to ask for help in those areas, begin to confess your sins. I'm faithful and just forgive your sins, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now my, now my life really began to shift. Now I didn't hide from my errors. I began to confess my errors, and God helped me walk away from them to forsake my errors. Now, I said that, uh, you know, this verdict is twofold for the 
one that does not believe stands condemned, realizing they hate the light. But for the believer, here the good side of that is that we stand there not condemned because we have believed. And because we have believed, it's evident that what has happened in our life is a work of God in our life. And that's what verse 21 rolls into. It reveals our work that we're helped from God to do what is right. And this is where we need to get to. Not to shun God, not to run away from God. Here's the deal. I already know what it's like to, to, to know that your life, when, in those early years, when your life not, is not where it needs to be and you try to run away, it doesn't get better. You just got to go back and you got to confess. You just got to get it right. And then you got to ask God for the help because He is there as the one to help. He's the only one that can really help us see our situation and the beauty about his benefit in our life, the grace that he extends to us. Oh my goodness, grace upon grace he gives to us. That is his favor. That is his help in our life. And we need to understand that that is there. So when the light comes and you see your situation, just fess up. Just go, yeah, I know that I'm not loving my wife. I know I'm being deceitful in these ways. I know that I'm pulled in these directions. And then just say, but here's what your word says, that you will be a helper in my life. What I want to do is abide in you, in you and me, so that I might find the life that I need and become what I need to become. You know, the whole idea, if you practice a truth, you just keep walking into the light. You're not afraid of the light because of the love of the Father. Now, my dad was a little different. I didn't learn this principle from my father. I learned it from my heavenly father because when I went to my natural father and I confessed what I did wrong, I, you know, he, it was not a good scenario. It was, he didn't use them as teaching moments in my life. But my heavenly father, that's a whole different thing. He used them to teach and to help. And, you know, this whole idea about this is really Proverbs is filled with this truth. I just pulled a few. 6.23 says, For these commandments are a lamp, this teaching is a light, and corrections of discipline are a way of life. 10.17, Accept correction and you will find life. Reject correction and you will miss the road. One translation says, And you will suffer for it. 12.1 says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is foolish. This translation says stupid. 15.32, he who ignores discipline despises himself. And that's kind of hard to understand. Think about this. He who ignores discipline despises himself. You don't like yourself. You, you ignore its consequences in your life. Uh, I, this is a, with my kids as they were growing up. I, hey, if you, if you hate yourself, fine. You, you're despising yourself in living that way. What do you mean? Well, because you're living that way, your life is being ruined, so you don't really care about your life. Now, kids don't get this. They, they, they won't separate. You live a particular way that is going to lead to a road to destruction, because that's what the Bible says. It's only a pleasure of sin for a season. And really what you're doing is you're despising yourself. You're, 
you're ignoring the consequences on your life. You don't care about you. And they're going, of course I care about me because I'm doing what I want. Yeah, that's the, that's the problem. You're doing what you want, which leads to death. Instead of realizing what is beneficial, which leads to life, you don't care about you. You despise yourself. So it says that he who ignores discipline despises himself, but whoever heeds correction, what they do, listen to this, they gain understanding. It says they don't have they gain understanding. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 21 says this, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, right? <laughs> but painful. But later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Any thoughts before we close out? Anybody got any thoughts about any of that? This whole passage here really helps us. It kind of describes kind of direction of life. Direction of life toward what is true and right and direction of life towards what is not. And again, the amazing thing uh, about being a child of God is the help of the Father that we get. Philippians 2.13, I've said it a lot and I made comment about it a couple weeks ago. It says, for it is not your own strength, but it is God's. It is God who is at work in your life, who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to, to work. That is strengthening and energizing and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. Because what is God's intended purpose? To fulfill the purpose that he has in creating you. So, live in the darkness bad. <laughs> Live toward walking for the light is good. And we gain understanding in doing it. Father, we do thank you for your goodness, faithfulness. Thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the John chapter 3, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 21. They really help us and hopefully what can happen from us is we continue to gain from it and learn from it so that we can just help someone else. We get down the road a little ways. We can help look back and pull others toward us and help them walk through difficulties that they seem are just too difficult to walk through. How could they ever do it? We're able to be there to help them to walk through it. Help us be bearers of the light. Help us be proclaimers of the truth of the gospel, I'm asking in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a wonderful day.